This is the Saxo Market Call, the daily financial markets podcast across asset classes and around the world. Hello and welcome to the Saxo Market Call. It is Wednesday, 8th of February, 2023. Markets remaining in a, a strong mood yesterday, a, a very a key test once again, or not a key test, but a test of that key support once again in the S&P 500 around the 4100 uh, 4, area we've talked about on the cash index, as you can see on slide two. And we rallied quite strongly. There was a lot of volatility around Fed Chair Powell's uh, speech. He came out mentioning the disinflation word uh, once again. Uh, suggesting that he still believes that the Fed is is bringing inflation or taming it, and the <laughs> equities were off to the races, and that was immediately scotched uh, within minutes by a further comment saying, well, maybe further rate hikes are necessary if if the data proves important. But then by the end of the day, it rallied all the way back towards the highs of the session. The market deciding that this Fed chair is not uh, not malignant or not dangerous to this market, and that there there tends to be the, a feeling from Fed Chair Powell that he believes that this inflation will be tamed and we only need to price maybe these two more 25 basis point rate hikes uh, before we get there. So I think the uh, the key thing here, uh, Peter, uh, long story short, is although we have U.S. Treasury yields from twos out to tens, essentially pinned near the local highs here, that the animal spirits are able to to survive and, and thrive even in this headwind uh, for the moment. It's it, I think it's just a, a big tug of war, if you will, between rates and sentiment and uh, as we'll show, maybe some some pro-cyclical things and cyclical indicators, uh, arguably a little bit bullish here. Yeah, it it, it is the uh, the pro-cyclical uh, upswing, if you will, in the economy that is uh, is gripping market here, or not gripping, or you know, grabbing the attention and and empowering on the uh, the the strong sentiment in, in equities. And the the way I in, interpret the, you know Powell's speech and the reaction is that. So the 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 guy so the pricing in the market of um, Ford on on Fed rate hikes changed significantly off his remarks. He said that the labor market was very strong. So what he's basically saying is that that the U.S. economy has been able to absorb this massive uh, rate policy jump. There's so much uh, stimulus that was unleashed in the economy that the things are are going uh, quite well, even with the current interest rate level. You have the 10-year that has responded somewhat in the past couple of days, but it's still only at 365. So if you take that combined with the pricing and the word of the Fed Fund futures and, and Powell's comments, I think the, the way the market is is looking at this is that, okay, the long-term inflation outlook will is, is still tamed. It will be, you know, not maybe coming down to the very, very low levels, but still being within the range of acceptable levels of inflation. And then in the meantime, you have this cyclical upturn and you have higher growth rate in the short term that <clears throat> that uh, won't be dented uh, at least here in the short term by the rate policies. Um, and, and and that combined, I think that's what the market is interpreting it as, is on the net, on the on the margin that's positive. And, and that is what's carrying the, the market higher here. Um, if we get a close above the 4,200 level in the S&P 500, I think we, we've cleared the, the past week's you know, turbulence. And then 
I think will be the market will be gunning for the uh, the 4300 level, which was the cyclical high back in uh, back in August. Um, but um, right now we're trading a little bit lower. So let's see what uh, what happens in today's session. Also, if you look at slide three, uh, you can see what uh, what really moves yesterday. We um, it was semiconductors, and that's a very nice segue into our next slide. But I also want to highlight the cybersecurity because we flagged that there's a lot of anticipation. Cybersecurity stocks were rallying ahead of the Fortinet uh, earnings that came after the close, and we'll talk a little bit more about that. But semiconductors was the um, the semiconductors were the third, uh, sorry, the second best performance in the market. And if you look at the year to date, it can be difficult because that's not what we have sorted on. But it's it's in the top five of the themes that have done the best. And as you pointed out, John, uh, before we went uh, before we went online here with the uh, the podcast, if you look at slide four, you have three typical. Um, three typical segments of the market being very cyclical. So when you have an improvement in growth, uh, these segments are rallying, and that's transportation, financial services, and semiconductors. Yeah, I put that up on slide four, as you mentioned. It's uh, notable that these uh, levels we're at on those three is actually above that uh, sort of August peak we saw in the, in the broader market. And if these are leading indicators and are indicative that the, the sort of the animal spirits are pointing towards better outcomes here for the economic cycle, I think it's a very interesting signal. It would be more bullish. The The key surprise factor here would be uh, inflation levels that start reheating commodity prices, especially maybe energy, if it uh, launches a new spike and, and, and the market has to force itself to to pr begin pricing the Fed back more aggressively higher than it is so far. So, so far, it's a question of a few notches higher together with uh, just delaying a little bit when it sees the Fed able to start easing, mostly out into 2024 now, you know, pushing back, back out of 2023. So it's uh yeah, and then the the one thing that's pushing against all of this is and and a risk to risk sentiment again the treasury yields if they if they start to really break and especially at the long end of the curve towards uh, the highs for the cycle uh, and if the dollar continues to pound stronger the dollar move tamed a little bit as you can see on slide five uh, cable found for example support uh, so sterling versus the dollar right there around the two hundred day moving average around one nineteen fifty and it's still within the range of that prior. Low posted around the beginning of the year. Uh, Sterling uh, actually rallying further today. It was getting close to 121 the last I saw before stepping in here to record the podcast. And the commodity currency is also bouncing back, but there, you know, this bounce back is you know in, within the shadow of a very uh, strong dollar uh, move off of its lows. So we need to see how this uh, settles over the next couple of days. But something has to resolve in my mind. Uh, U.S. Treasury yields, U.S. dollar. Uh, pointing one way and risk sentiment trying to recover at the same time. I think that cocktail will, will be very difficult to extend all three of those in their current direction. So if, if yields are relatively tame, then I can see the dollar easing back lower. I can see risk sentiment really gunning for uh, uh, for more to the upside. If you get a significant spike in treasury yields at the long end, I would suspect that tames risk sentiment and uh, the dollar might be a question mark around that. But the, all three doing what they're currently doing or extending that move is, is a, a difficult one to uh, believe in here. All right. Um, a couple other news items. I just wanted to sort of not in sequence or anything, but uh, interesting to note, Peter, uh, talking about also risk sentiment in terms of credit. We saw Intel out managing to place $11 billion in uh, new issuance, so corporate issuance, uh, from three years uh, at the shortest end. There were seven uh, little bits and pieces of this uh, placement. Uh, three years at the short end, all the way out to 40-year corporate bonds yesterday. And the last of those they were placed at only 215.15 base, uh, basis points premium to the U.S. 30-year yield, uh, and the expected range was more like 225, so very strong appetite for that debt. Uh, should be noted, though, however, that uh, the uh, auction, three-year auction from the Treasury 
was was quite weak yesterday, surprisingly so, and maybe fed some of the rise in yields later in the um, day. And we also have a ten-year auction up today. It's a bit more important because it's of of course a longer a longer date out into the future. And we had uh, U.S. President Biden out with the State of the Union address, not a very friendly one vis-a-vis geopolitics, uh, trying to take down China a few notches. Uh, there is a lot of this feeling of Cold War, uh, so chest thumping, uh, I, I would argue. And it does seem with this recent balloon incident, you can't be sort of uh, aggressive enough against China, just like uh, during the Cold War, you couldn't be aggressive enough with defense spending or your posturing uh, against the Soviet Union. So it is, I think, a dangerous dynamic, and we saw that on full display uh, yesterday. Um, Biden saying, well, who would want to switch places with these uh, weak autocratic regimes and their leadership? Nobody would want to switch places with uh, Xi Jinping. And uh, there was a belligerent statement about protecting their sovereignty, as they did uh, in parentheses indicating the uh, the balloon incident. So you know, for what it's worth, it doesn't look very very nice out there on that front. No immediate uh, immediate market effect, however. Um, but yeah, let's get back to the earnings season and stocks to watch. There was an interesting story we uh, discussed, Peter, on the internal macro call this morning. Investus, the big Danish uh, wind turbine manufacturer, with a very weak outlook this year. And I think the the discussion is so interesting because this is supposed to be the uh, the time frame of maximum, you know, green transition. We can't have Russian gas. We have to switch green. It should be all in on the investment. But that doesn't seem to be the case here, does it? Uh, no, I, I I think I mean I can see here that the market is is turning around a little bit on investors because the initial reaction to the to the outlook was actually that shares were trading down five percent in the preliminary trading, uh, but now that the the cash equity market has has opened here in in Europe, uh, investors is actually trading up one uh, percent. But if you look at the what we have written in here in the slide six, you can see that the revenue guidance is uh, you know more or less. Uh, in line with estimates, uh, but there is a downside risk. There's also, of course, an upside risk. But it, I think it's the operating margin guidance that is really the the key thing here. Minus two percent to plus three percent. I think that if the if the if we have if we have the reacceleration in the economy, the uh, the the procyclical nature of the market, then commodities will be bit, and that will pro, uh, that will pose a further problem for investors on their profitability. Um, and and then we have the the EU sort of flagging that some of the pricing models on offshore wind power uh, goes against the uh, goes against the, you know uh, competitiveness in the in the in the European Union so uh, thereby illegal market hadn't really reacted a lot to to that news but I think it's worth pointing out and then we still have a, a we still have a, an incredible slow trajectory of permits for offshore and onshore uh, wind power in Europe so as you say this should be the big boom period for for wind turbines with the, all the talk about green green energy, but uh, it doesn't really seem seems to be it seems to be the 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 the, um, the pave of the way here for uh, for for investors. And you can see here on slide six with the share price five year still above where we were before the pandemic, but it's not really looking like a strong momentum stock. Uh, another news, investors. Uh, uh, sorry, uh, Maersk. So Maersk is is posting Q4 operating profit and revenue in line with estimate. The outlook, as you can see here, eight to $11 billion versus 13 and a half. They're also projecting uh, a two and a half percent slowdown in global container traffic. Interestingly enough, the market is trading higher right now on that report from Maersk. Um, and I think that is, that's the tuck of war here we talked about. So the market is not really, so 
all the talk about the economic slowdown and the leading indicators, etc. As you said, we pointed out with the uh, the semiconductors, the transportation, and the financial services index, the the market is, is telling a different story. And I think it looks like the market is saying, "Well, mask, you you highlighting, are you guiding eight to eleven billion? But that's because your forecast is wrong. You're forecasting a slowdown in the economy, and that's not what the what the overall market is pricing. So very interesting divergence there between a company's outlook and what the market is is uh, projecting right now. And then we had the uh, with the Fortinet earnings release as we talked about yesterday on the podcast. Uh, the Fortinet shares were up three percent in the primary session. Uh, driving that cybersecurity to be the top performing theme basket. And then in the extended trading, the stock was up 16% as they reiterated their um, their fiscal year 2023 outlook on revenue and margins, um, reflecting a 20% uh, revenue growth rate for, for this year. So and the market was clearly uh, pricing in a downside risk against the estimates here. But overall, John, um, just thinking while you were talking that, you know, uh, I've put out this 3,200. Others have talked about the 3,200 price target in SP 500. Even uh, you know, Paul Tudor Jones talked about the 3,200. Uh, Wilson at uh, Morgan Stanley, and it's all about you know the margins and and, and interest rates. But <laughs> I must also admit that you know the further we get away from 3,200, the the less likely it it, it looks like. Uh, I don't know because you and I have talked back and forth about this uh, just before we transition to the to the next slide. I mean what. What, what could change and what, what 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 i just really i am really confused i must admit about where the where things are where things are going because um you still have the margin pressure i could still see the the economy slowing but um on the other hand we we must accept the the pricing that is coming out of the cyclical industries yeah i just think uh, it's a question of timing uh we could have an upswing here that could last a couple of quarters instead of having the soft landing that's priced uh for perhaps this coming uh, quarter or so we have no landing. We have an acceleration. The Fed is caught with its pants down, pardon my, my expression there, and has to re you know recommit to hiking more. Uh, the yield curve inversion is a very powerful and has a very good record of predicting uh, inflation and uh, uh, inflation recessions, but on what time frame? And that could come as late as early next year, mid next year, uh, in terms of of the timing for an, an actual recession. So. Uh, I agree. I am confused as well, but there are some indicators. I mean, we have been a bit uh, concerned on on the outlook here, especially for earnings compression, et cetera. But just on the cycle itself, it does appear the risk right now uh, points to a reacceleration of the economy. And, uh, and let, let's see what oil, I think a, a key part of that will be energy as well. I mean, we had, you know, Europe shielding its uh, consumers with half, you know, half a trillion euros in the case of Germany uh, from the impact of that crazy spike in energy prices, uh, Russian natural gas, Etc. You had a complete decimation of the strategic petroleum reserve. That was expensive in a way, but it, it wasn't expensive for the end user, and and it actually provides the grounds for uh, some of the savings to have been retained in the private sector and to be deployed once again. Uh, and, and then we've had mild weather, etc. So I just it just feels like we could see a reacceleration here, and it's all a question of, of timing uh, on these things. But we do have uh, back to zooming back in on today specifically. <clears throat> Disney up today. That's a big name. Uh, I don't know if that's after or before the market uh, session. And Uber, anything you're looking for there or any other names you want to point out before we have a brief macro roundup? Yes, very briefly. Uber is before the market opens and Walt Disney is after the market uh, has closed. I'm zooming in a little bit on, the, on Uber, fine, uh, sorry, Uber technologies because 
uh, Uber is a is a very heavily traded stock. It, it's a household name also because it's you know it's on demand uh, ride hailing and a lot of people have used it. So it's, a, it's seen as a consumer. It is a consumer brand. And um, as you can see here, the the growth rate for 2022 on the revenue side is expected to be a 82%. As you can see here on slide seven. Um, they're still struggling to become profitable, although the uh, the cash flow numbers have turned positive. Um, and, and I've put in this longer term forecast all the way out to 2025. So if you if you're thinking about investing in Uber or trading it, those are the expectations that you're trading against uh, or, or betting on. So you can see very very steep acceleration in profitability out to 25. Uh, I, I'm a little bit more hesitant that they can actually deliver on that, but um, I've been surprised before, but it, it, it really looks like very steep expectations there. Walt Disney, uh, rebound in margins expected, revenue growth uh, at 7% in, in Q4. Very curious to say, uh, see what they say in the outlook. And then we should highlight, ADN should have highlighted in their stocks to watch, just flagging that down 15%. In Amsterdam trading, Ouch. it's the the payments company. Yeah, it's the pay the big it's the biggest payments company here in Europe that has taken a lot of market share from some of the U.S. counterparts uh, lately, and uh, they are being they missing on their margins. They're doing heavy investments, and and things are not you know the process volume is not as uh, as high as they had hoped for. Or the market was bidding on, so that that that's really a nasty nasty earnings release there in Europe. Okay, well, let's look at the macro calendar. We have a lot of Fed speakers out today, I think, with the big Kuhun himself out speaking yesterday and seeming to have a relatively relaxed stance on the impact uh, and uh, of Fed tightening carried out thus far and the forward look on inflation. I, I wonder if how much these guys can impact things. I and mean, Kashkari is very overtly hawkish, and the market seems to ignore him. Again, that Treasury auction, do note that. And uh, Fed's Waller, by the way, will be speaking more generally on the economic outlook. Could be interesting uh, much later today. Uh, UK house price, uh, the best one of those house price data series is up uh, very late tonight and is expected to show even worse uh, levels of house price falls. Swedish Riksbank tomorrow, I've previewed that in the last couple of days, an interesting one, a really key test for the new Riksbank governor there. Uh, Eurostocky, I, I like to sell it as long as they don't go wildly dovish and as long as risk sentiment is quite strong here. The Swedish krona has really been bashed down of late and normally is supported by by strong risk sentiment. So I think it could be a big day tomorrow for the Swedish krona, anybody trading that currency. That is it uh, for today. We'll be back tomorrow with the Saxo Market Call. Thanks for listening. This has been the Saxo Market Call. For feedback and questions, reach out to us on Twitter at Saxo Market Call or by email, marketcall at saxobank.com. <laughs>